I don't know at what point during this podcast it's appropriate for me to bring up the um, the longstanding Hollywood rumor, but substantiated that Forrest Tucker uh, was in competition with Milton Berle for having the largest in Hollywood. So tell me, tell me, Mr. Jones, mm. why, why are you so exhausted? What you've been up to? Um, midnight oil and literally the band. Um, yeah. They just won't leave you alone. They will not leave me alone. <laughs> Beds are burning, Chad. I don't know if you know that, but this is a combo of me having a lot of work to do, which is why we'll keep this one short today. I'm Damn all about it. that. I'm a very busy man myself this week. Exactly. Anyway, thanks for asking. It's just work stuff and life stuff and uh, the fact I don't sleep anymore. Mm. One thing I did do late at night was watch that link you sent me. Oh, the, uh, the ghost bus. Yes. <laughs> I'm Spencer. He's tracing. I'm Kong. The original Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I know that I look anyone who's listened to this and I apologize. Anyone who's watched this little podcast of ours, we are both in our fifties. Uh, yes, and yeah. And, and it's, it's sort of a, I guess nostalgia is a thing that starts to, it hasn't overwhelmed me yet, but it's amazing what it, it does. And especially the stuff from childhood. Like, I don't find myself thinking too much about 80s and 90s stuff, even though I was, you know, prime of my life doing all that fun stuff. But I often think of the 70s just because that was when I was a kid. And holy hell, do I remember the Ghostbusters, which for those at home who don't know what we're talking about, before there was a 1984 film, which is one of my favorites of all time. Just love Me too. Yeah. Again, just like we, I was pointing out, I, I can't stop looking at your shell. But, you know, you've got that. Well, you've got Composite Superman over there, too. But um, yeah, a couple of episodes or a couple of issues, actually. Is yeah, that but one. that issue of Superman that has him fighting Dracula and the Frankenstein monster. I had that um, uh, because I think it's the first and possibly only time Superman fought Dracula. at oh, oh, and there might. Two dudes, my two favorite fictional characters of all time, Superman and Dracula. I've always been a Dracula nut and a horror nut and supernatural fan. So as a kid, I watched The Monster Squad. Do you remember that? I remember the name. I but don't know. Not yeah. again, not the later movie also called The Monster Squad, which is a delight. I like it a lot. But ni- 1970s Saturday morning TV was not only this like pure explosion of nonsense cartoons, a lot of them very cheap and not very good, but man did I love them. But also live action shows. That is such a weird thing for people now to even think about. But these are shows that are made by adults and some established character actors that are aimed solely at six and seven year olds like I was at the time. So Chad just sent me a link uh, to I'm talking to the audience now. I don't usually look at you and say you lucky bastards, Chad, 
um, yeah, I'm just going to ignore Chad. Hey, guys, I know there's this other guy in the room. Don't pay any attention to him. This is just you and me. But uh, <laughs> he sent me a link to a YouTube video from 1975, an episode of Filmation, Lou Scheimer's Filmation, which they're responsible for a lot of my childhood. But also later in the 80s, they were the folks who did He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Uh, mm. They did Brave Star. I loved all that shit. But anyway, back in the 70s, they they were a big competition for Sid and Marty Croft for doing like live action stuff for kids on Saturday morning. Sid and Marty Croft did, you know, let's just get into Electra Woman and Dinah Girl someday. That's a rabbit hole. And Dr. Shrinker and Land of the Lost. Land of the Lost, of course, which was its own big thing. Bigfoot and Wild Boy. Filmation did the show called The Ghostbusters. Oh, I should also say, because we, we won't talk about it, we'll get back to Ghostbusters. Uh, Monster Squad was Fred Grandy of Love Boat. He played uh, Gopher. Won't hurt anymore. And he works in a wax museum. And the wax museum, specifically in their monster exhibit, they have wax figures of Dracula, the Frankenstein's monster, the Wolfman. And he somehow creates this computer, which is inside of a tomb in this display. And it flips up and it's a crime computer. And also somehow it brings the statues to life. So these are wax statues of classic monsters, but they come to life, and he's like, you guys need to go fight this crime. So he sends out the classic monsters <laughs> as crime fighters. This is a day that will live in infamy. That was the monster squad. <laughs> and just like the show we're about to talk about, the Ghostbusters, I think one season. Yeah. Like, I was surprised, because I remember that show being on for a couple of years and then i look and like they shot 15 episodes they just kept showing them over and over and over again they shot 15 episodes of the ghostbusters according to the trivia in like nine weeks there's like knocked them out you know one every other day boom uh and they're just done so that is how we got uh the great larry storch the great forrest tucker and a guy in a gorilla suit as our original Ghostbusters. Bob Burns, I think, is the name of the guy. I Bob think. Burns, who is a very famous gorilla suit actor. He's so good. And it, it's, it's actually, it's, it's funny because it's, it, it is, I, I want to say that this filmation show, the Ghostbusters, looks a little bit higher budget than The Lost Saucer. <laughs> and uh, I'd say and, the budgets are Lost probably Man. one to one. <laughs> These Maybe are cheap, it, cheap yeah, no, shows. It, I mean, it very much looked like a Saturday Night Live skit though it didn't look like yeah, it was. Yeah, I mean, there's you know like, I mean? yeah, there are sets, I mean, that actually are... actually funnier than it's <laughs> least, least, least recent, anyway. Well, I will say, oh man, this, I'm telling you. When I say uh, recent, I mean the past, like, 35 years. <laughs> oh, snap! <laughs> man, you're coming in hard on anyway, SNL. That's, that's yeah. No, this season's been really intolerable. I, I, I haven't even watched full episodes of SNL. I'll watch the skits that are highlight skits. This was the funniest one from this week. And I'll sit there going, what? Really? Yeah. Everyone's game. But I'm like, that's not even a joke. 
There's not even a, a thing. It's not even a joke. There's yeah. nothing funny in it. But anyway, so uh, in my day, but um, yeah, these these were literally for kids. So the sets look like uh, like college theater production sets. But the whole gimmick of the Ghostbusters was, I mean, they're trying to do like an update of like Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein type of spooky but not really because it's all wacky and for kids and it's these two guys one's named spencer and the other guy's name is kong uh see that's a flippity flu the guy for a sucker plays is called kong but the gorilla that's their assistant his name is tracy Spencer and Tracy. Spencer Tracy, come on, that's great. Suppose a cake or a down had the audacity to think that God might whisper to him. So there's a gorilla named Tracy. All right, so these two guys are, and for some reason it's the modern day, as in the 70s, but they both dress like, Forrest Sucker's dress kind of like one of the dead-end uh, dead kids, like like Hunt's Hall from the... And and uh, Larry Storch is in a full-on zoot suit from the 1930s. Uh, so they are independent uh, investigators of the paranormal, and they get instructions, like in a Mission Impossible type way, from a character called Zero. They go to... <laughs> so I, I'm explaining this. <laughs> they go to a, a junk shop, where their new message will be waiting for them. And it's always in the form of something that they get out of the junk shop. In that episode, it was a little toy plane. Right. 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 It's, but, but it's, it's other things and whatever. And basically the voice of zero, by the way, is Lou Scheimer. Listen carefully. Your next assignment involves the ghosts of Count and Countess Dracula. Oh, Lou Scheimer did a lot of voices uh, for the cartoons and shows he did. Uh, in fact, he's the he's the announcer guy for Masters of the Universe. The Masters of the Universe. So, uh, it, uh, yeah, I mean, I, he just has a very recognizable voice. OK. But anyway, so uh, Zero tells him you've got to go here and investigate Dracula and his wife. And he's, they're like, OK. And then they do the Mission Impossible thing. This message will self-destruct in a in a couple of seconds and then the thing will blow up it always blows up in the gorilla's hands oh by the way the gorilla tracy drives their jalopy drives, yeah they, they have a, a 1920s-ish jalopy it's so weird all their stuff is retro but it's supposed to be the modern day and this is something i i almost always forget you watch any of these croft shows from back then or this uh these filmation shows uh, the the heaviest lifting in that show is the laugh track holy crap the countess removes a splinter with her with her teeth <laughs> they are shoving it down your throat they're like kid Laugh at that. That was a joke. Yeah. Like it's crazy laugh track and you know they shot it on a sound stage with no one else around. Yeah. So you get cartoony versions in this case, Dracula. I don't even know who this character actor is, but yeah, he's an old senile so dude terrible. and he keeps ending up biting a tree. What things are stuck on the tree? And then it pulls out his dentures. 
it's so it's so surreal like oops <laughs> that first scene cracked me up because she's great i mean they're all great she, sure Ina dietrich i think is her name she was oh a, you did the de- the yeah. research it's not nice to fool mother nature that first scene that we see those two characters is count dracula and countess dracula yeah and and she's yeah, she pulls him out and he gets stuck. He gets his teeth stuck in the tree. But she says something like, there's like a little, there's some adult innuendo in the show too. Mm-hmm. She goes, your bite is very strong. Perhaps there's some life left in your fangs after all. And she goes, oh. You can say that again. <laughs> yeah. We are going to have elderly <laughs> vampire sex. And it's one of yeah. those chattering teeth things yeah, that he's holding. He's like, ah, which doesn't even have fangs. Yeah. I'm like, come on, guys. Those are supposed to be his teeth. And it was weird watching this. It's the first time probably in 40 years that I've watched an episode of the Ghostbusters. But it all came back. Forrest Tucker is on autopilot. And I, I do remember that. I mean, Forrest Tucker very funny guy and of course they worked together in f troop famously they're like the comedy backbone of f troop (laughs) but this is years later and forrest tucker looks like give me my check at the end of the day okay (laughs) it's the only castle if the raccoons aren't staying there squirrels don't like acorns Larry Storch is still be. I mean, Larry Storch is there. He's there to play. It's a shame that one of us doesn't have an accent. Absolutely capital idea. What? That should solve our little problem. I once saw a Basil Rathbone picture. Just go take care of it. He's funny and he's Larry Storch. All I want, all day long. Bob Burns in that suit. Bob Burns is, I mean, again. Before His body language came. and everything. Yeah. yeah. Right. He and he he does um that was why he was the specialist. Not only did he make the really good suits, but he actually studied Simeon like walking and, and so wow. I'm like, yeah. No wonder. But Rick Baker came along and then was the next Bob Burns. But regardless, Bob Burns is great in it, and, and the whole gag is that uh Tracy the Gorilla not only drives, he doesn't speak. Chest cavity, throat, broaden the throat. Ah, let me hear that. <laughs> nah, nah, no. I mean, he, there's a whole thing about it. I'm teaching him to talk. Let's show him, Trace. It's on top of the building, and it's called a roof. <laughs> Who is the greatest baseball player of all time? Roof. <laughs> but the whole thing uh, uh, is... There's a whole hat rack, and he always picks different weird hats off the hat rack. So you got a gorilla wearing a wacky hat. But the thing I remembered is whenever they go to the um, file cabinets, that that gag of like he goes for one, it won't open, then another one opens, and it's always like him trying to grab the right one that'll open, and then getting frustrated. I was like, I remember that the file cabinets would jump out randomly. He's like, Oh, that's the one I need. No, oh, it's closed. Yeah. He can't get it to work and he starts crying. Yes. That's really funny. He's like going, I can't handle this. And it's like, all right, that's good. Um, but it's just so goofy. And I, it really is weird slapstick. I don't know at what point during this podcast it's appropriate for me to bring up the um, the longstanding Hollywood rumor, but substantiated, 
that Forrest Tucker uh, was in competition with Milton Berle for having the largest penis in Hollywood. All I know that when I get an erection, I black out. <laughs> and I guess that's the time I bring it up. Was this apparently, an ongoing competition? <laughs> well, I mean, apparently they did at least once uh, because they had heard this thing about each other, like have a showdown in the bathroom, like, yeah, all right. Ew. Yeah. But apparently, yeah, Forrest Tucker was packing. Um, and uh, yeah, so I hope kids aren't listening to this. Uh, and as a child, I never watched that show with that filter. I didn't sit there going, these guys are goofy and hilarious. He has an enormous penis. <laughs> What's funny is that I did not remember the show, and this, this oh, is didn't? why I, it was it was because of the the fallout of us doing this this that last or two episodes. And ago, I apologize I for the fallout. This so, is yeah. basically our Chernobyl. I am Oops. very sorry. <laughs> yeah, uh, we talked about uh, complete, completely unplanned. By the way, in that episode, we we wound up talking about uh, fire uh, space nuts and the lost saucer. Yeah, so. <laughs> I yeah we've gotten some comments on that stuff and I went and looked at this other video because there are some some really fun videos out on YouTube of people remembering these shows and one of them was about the the city of Marty Croft stuff and also the filmation yeah. things and he, he he the guy shows a an old TV guide ad you know for the new lineup of shows and he said he just mentions this and this Lost Saucer and Ghostbusters and I went wait what because I, I don't remember it this was like, oh. you know 1775 I I made yeah, obviously it was a long time ago I may never I'm older watched than it. you Chad. I may have been on a different channel those mornings. <laughs> you're, you're not. You're younger than me. Oh wait, no, you are. You're you're three months older than me. Yeah, yeah. So there yeah. you go. Let's not have this fight again. <laughs> but also, um, I somehow managed to watch all the channels, and I don't know how. I saw every show. I think probably my Saturday mornings. I just stood. I yeah. mean, again, you had to because we had the dial. So I think I was just like chunk chunk, chunk chunk, chunk chunk. Yeah, chunk, chunk. the commercial would come on. Commercial you go to come a different on. Channel, yeah. Though I will say one of the things I do love about that video you found, because people have uploaded the DVD uh, Ghostbusters. You can watch the episodes, but that one is the homemade VHS with the commercials. Every single one of them I remembered. It was crazy. And remarkably good quality, too. Yeah. That, and I remember because I don't remember the marathon com the commercial itself. I, I, remember I still remember marathon that candy bar. Candy bar oh, commercial. yeah. And yeah. I remembered the Uncola, the 7-Up commercial. Uh, and I remembered, I did remember that Charles Nelson Riley commercial. Once I saw it, I remembered. Oh, we've gone bananas for big banana in crayon. you learn to write a lot of ways. <laughs> that is art. That is, and that sent me down to Charles Nelson Riley rabbit hole, which I was very happy oh. to, to tumble down. Do you, do you, God do you need bless to see that, a, What's that? a doctor? Do you need to see a doctor? Yeah, yeah. Well, I agree. The thing is, is that um, I, I mean, I, I hope that he was happy with his career. I hope Paul Lynn was happy with his career. But the thing I love about them is that they were very known. Everyone in the 70s or 60s, when they were in the movies or TV shows, everyone knew they were homosexual men. It just was never stated. And they became these characters, the same with like Rip Taylor, the comedian. Yeah. You're sitting there and you're like going, oh, that guy's completely gay. But their act is not built on that. They become mm -hmm. these weirdly flamboyant, funny guys, and everyone's okay with it. Like, mm -hmm. you might hear your grandfather say something disparaging about that guy on Hollywood Squares or something. 
But Charles Nelson Riley, first and foremost, very funny character act. He had a persona that no one else had, a delivery that no one else had. <laughs> it's just so great. This gentleman is my beloved teacher, and we have worked so very hard late into the night. <laughs> I, love it. I love it that I, I wish I had, there were outtakes of that banana commercial because the oh way he throws God. in. Because I don't know if he did that, you know, just just at his act or the direction. Could you throw in some? <laughs> In between oh, the lines when you're singing. I think they were probably like, please, Charles, more, we, more need, that. Yeah. we need that. <laughs> These are Vic Banana Ink Crayons. See what smooth lines the Vic Banana Ink Crayons make. They also make fat lines. After all, I should know. I am the Big Banana. There's only one Big Banana Ink Crayon. <laughs> so- I mean, and they did, of course, write. I mean, they did write into, that wasn't improv, but it's like. The colors are so bright and gay. Right, Ted Gay, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, okay, then. Yeah. Um, that man's in a banana suit. So I found, and that, I'm curious to know if, if you've seen this, because I, I found when I, I you know, the, the, the Charles Nelson Riley rabbit hole I previously referred to took me down to watching some videos about him. There's some, there's a guy, I forget his name. He's got a really good channel on YouTube and he does a whole video about Charles. And it's just fascinating to hear about his story, about how hard he had to work to get his mm. breakthrough. He worked on Broadway and off-Broadway for many, many years. Before yeah. he got his break in TV and film, and he was throwing in clips of this what looked like a one man show that I had never seen. But this was actually the last thing. Turns out, it was the last thing he did professionally. Oh wow! Uh, in the early two thousands, called the Life of Riley, uh, Save It for the Stage or something like that. So I said, I love Shakespeare too, and she said, What would someone like you know about Shakespeare? Well, wow, well. <laughs> I, I I mean, of course, I never saw it, but yeah, I think I remember Entertainment Tonight doing like a, a feature on. Oh, cool! Yeah, and th- there are some. It used to be. I, I found remnants of it online. You can find it on YouTube, but it's in bits because it was oh, posted right. years ago before you could do full length videos on YouTube. Yeah, but it's all there, and it's really, really, really good. So remember what Emily Dickinson said: you never know how tall you are until you're asked to ride. Well, I rose. Wow. And so I, I highly, I mean, I'll link to it in the, in the show description for sure, but I, I highly recommend you go watch it. I, but I was trying to find, it's like, surely somebody's got to have this. It, I can't yeah. find a DVD of it anywhere. And it's really well produced. And, but the best thing about it is that he's just so good and he's not, he's just being himself and telling his life story and he's doing it so well, but he's not peppering in. <laughs> Although, no, of course, of course. Yeah. He's acting. He's being, he's, he's being confessional. And yeah, and being just just completely laying it out there about how passionate he is about what he does. I know my course. The spirit that I have seen may be the devil. I and the devil have the power to assume a pleasing shape. And perhaps out of my weakness and my melancholy abuses me to damn me. I'll have grounds more relative than this. The play's the thing wherein I'll catch the conscience of the king. Anything else you want to know, lady? but that turns out that was the last professional thing he did because he had i don't know if it was emphysema or something had some kind of uh, lung issue going Mm. on and Mm. shortly after they filmed that he had to retire from performing because he couldn't travel anymore and a couple years later he died and so but i'm so glad i'm sure he was too that he managed to get that film out but they need to put it back out it's a piece it's just a brilliant piece of work 
Wow, man, what a what a good recommendation. Yeah. I, I would never have thought. That's the thing that we are living in this interesting age of of this kind of media absorption and accessibility. So I'm sure it's out there, but it's something where you can fall into rabbit holes. Like yeah. if this were back in the day and it's like, where would you even look to find that? Would a library maybe have it? But the idea that we can just like sort of, hey, did anyone ever V8, you know, record this back and and people are posting all kinds of shit, including episodes of Ghostbusters full with co- commercials. I just I was like, man, this is I believe I believe you referred to it a few weeks ago as doing God's work, which I yeah, totally yeah exactly. Because I mean, again, is this a masterpiece? No, but is it something that people deserve to to at least experience? Should you yes. watch all 15 episodes? Probably not. Um, <laughs> if you guys want to uh, watch a couple more filmation things that I absolutely loved and did show up, because one of the commercials is the, this is what's on Saturday mornings. And then they do like a whole thing. They're like, oh, here's the uh, Pebbles and Bam Bam shows. Like, yeah, I loved that. That's great. And they also show for a couple of seconds, Shazam and Isis. See stars shine on CBS Saturday. See Pebbles, Bugs Bunny and Roadrunner, Scooby-Doo, Shazam and Isis. That was a filmation thing. Live I do action. remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Because the, the, they were not in the show together, but you would watch a half hour episode of Isis and a half hour episode of Shazam. I loved that. And again, yeah. if you guys are comics fans, it's worth watching one of each because they just repeat uh, themselves and they are cheap as fuck. One thing I love, by the way, uh, talking about the Shazam, do you remember this? Is that the whole premise was very different from the comic, but Billy Batson is traveling around the country in a Winnebago with an old man who is not a relative, (laughs) who he calls Mentor, Um, and the, the Winnebago has the Shazam lightning bolt on the front of it, which is also really subtle if you want to hide your secret identity. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so Billy Batson and Mentor in this Winnebago, uh, whenever Billy Batson needed to talk to the wizard Shazam or any of the gods that he gets his powers from, there's this like disco ball kind of thing in the middle console of the Winnebago and Mentor and Billy Batson put their hands on it and then they go and talk to the gods who are animated. That's Filmation, and yes, Zeus or Shazam, the wizard, voiced by Lou Scheimer again. But anyway, so, um, but the thing that always cracked me up, or at least does now, that I, because I was not discriminating as a six-year-old. I could not get enough of this. Now I watch it and I go, every place these guys go to is the hills of Burbank. (laughs) (laughs) It's unmistakable. The 70s TV, because I'm re-watching Rockford Files right now. I'm in like season two of Rockford Files. And not that he's going different places, but it's just so those same flat tan hills. You're like, oh, yeah, Burbank. They literally left the soundstage and shot some scenes right outside. Isn't that where they filmed uh, a lot of Star Trek stuff, too? Like where oh, uh, all, everything. Tr- uh, uh, was it Kirk battling the uh, the lizard guy? Well, what, they, was, <laughs> the Gorn. What's the name? The Gorn. Thank you. Yeah, that's um, uh, the <clears throat> arena is the name of that episode, I believe. Oh, mm, mm, mm. yeah. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, Burbank is where a lot of the exteriors of those shows, unless they were alien planets. Well, I mean, 
you know, where they had to have pink skies and stuff. That was inside the soundstage. But Bronson Canyon is outside of L.A., and that's famous because that's where all the Westerns were shot. That's where the arena was shot, Bronson Canyon. That's where the beginning of Batman 66, when you see the Batmobile coming out of the Batcave, that's the Bronson Canyons out there. So it's all just, once you know those places, you're like, oh, yeah. Oh, Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're all shooting there. I'm just imagining them on a day like going, okay, who's next? MASH? Come on in, MASH. Okay, we're just finishing up over here. Uh, You guys need to go. Thank you. Thank you, Land of the Lost. MASH is coming in. It's all just the hills of Burbank. Yeah. But um, I don't don't know where I was going with that or what I was talking about. We were talking about Saturday morning TV and Charles Nelson Riley. Yeah. Who, by the way, did you ever watch um, uh, uh, The Ghost of Mrs. Muir? Yes. The sitcom? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and that that docu- the little YouTube documentary Had about, about Charles Nelson really, yeah, it reminded me of that. Like this place is haunted. <laughs> you, well, you always <laughs> he was so. I mean, again, a good character actor. But if you needed someone to be nervous, there's only one person who did it better than Charles Nelson Riley, and I will say that is Don Knotts. Don Knotts oh, yeah, was a yeah. god of nervous acting, mm-hmm. uh, which is why the Ghost of Mister Chicken is unironically still mm-hmm. one of my favorite comedies. <laughs> The Ghost and Mr. Chicken, ladies and gentlemen, is legitimately funny. Don Knotts movie. Please watch it right now. You ever see I always think of this whenever I talk about Don Knotts is the uh the Quigman's cartoon, uh, which I first saw in a smoke shop and I was Dwight and I went into a when Dwight was this is thirty years ago and Dwight had his little pipe uh fetish oh. for a while. <laughs> oh god. Pipe. We went into a pipe shop somewhere and on the wall was this old Quigman's cartoon from the from the mid eighties where the joke was um, instead of Mayberry, what is it? The, the Mayberry the RFD. Yeah, instead of RFD, it's LSD. <laughs> of course, <laughs> and it's these Quigman-esque drawings of Andy Griffith and Don Knotts, and and Andy Griffith is going, "Hey Vern, or not Vern? What was his name? Barn. 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 Hey Barn, you ever you ever really look at your hands? <laughs> I know that exact cartoon. <laughs> and, and, and Don Knotts is just like, <laughs> like I yeah. got this. you ever really look at your hands? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like probably the best Quigman's panel that was ever done. Oh my god, that's funny. But yeah, uh, so well, we're celebrating the life of Charles Nelson Riley. Um, I, I understand he was a a non problematic guy. Paul End, on the other hand, uh, I heard this only through. Did you ever listen to the late great Gilbert Gottfried's uh, podcast? I don't think so. Uh, Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast. It was very much him and um, uh, Frank Santopadre, his co-host, who was like a film critic and TV writer, um, interviewing nostalgia people, just people that, you know, so it wasn't like real hot acts. They had Larry Storch on, by the way. They had Larry Storch on just a few years ago when he was like 93. Oh, wow. And Larry Storch, was still i mean he was on he very old very frail but it's not like he's like what where no he was sharp he was delivering one-liners i'm like god bless you man but it's that kind of thing and uh gilbert gottfried was a very a big fan of holly hollywood rumor stuff including the forrest tucker thing he does bring that up when he talks to larry storch and larry storch is like yeah he had a really big guy <laughs> 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 but um 
Gilbert Godfrey, when he got a hold of something that cracked him up, he never let it go. Like it comes up often, even if there's the guess. So it, one of them was that Paul Lynn was highly anti-Semitic. Oh, no. Um, I know. It's a terrible thing. It was like uh, uh, apparently something where uh, and because Gilbert Gottfried also ended up doing the Hollywood Squares later, the different version. But he would hear stories from uh, people that were on the Hollywood Squares. So it was like, yeah, it's like he would always blame. Uh, it's like, oh, the Jews. <laughs> and Gilbert Gottfried's like, going, Paul Lynn. Horrible anti-Semitic. <laughs> You're like, going, wow. I'm not sure he wanted to know that. Gosh. Go back to talking about how Cesar Romero liked having boys throw uh, orange wedges at his ass. <laughs> oh, my God. What's happened to the show? I'm sorry, I, but but it, it, it went down that rabbit hole. And I do recommend, because it's still out there, listening to that podcast, because you'll find really interesting interviews with people that you just wouldn't have imagined would show up on a podcast including musicians like they would have like oh here's a what's his name from the turtles we're going to talk to him for an hour you're like great and of course adam west i mean anyone that was 60s tv that was still alive gilbert Gravy was like oh come on he had as a guest and i told john this on our podcast the little girl from frankenstein 1931 Frankenstein, the little girl that the creature throws into the lake, famous scene, um, because she was still alive. And Gilbert Gottfried's a huge uh, classic horror movie fan. And he, and so the whole thing was she's an elderly lady, but he's like going and he's like, were you ever scared? She goes, well, the only time I saw Mr. Karloff was when he was in the makeup, but he went out of his way to be really sweet to me. I mean, I'm, it's all these stories. I'm like, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, because, uh, you know, you can listen to interviews. Mark Marin is not going to have her on <laughs> as good as Mark Marin is. So um, that's my recommendation is yeah. go listen to uh, the Amazing Colossal podcast. It was Definitely. very funny. And that, the, the episode of, of the podcast you were just referring to where you're talking to John, is that on the Tesla Cities show? Oh, uh, no, that's on uh, Campbell and Jones Meet the Monsters. On the mon- oh, Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Which we're still doing. I have to watch a Lewis Gossett Jr. mummy movie tonight. <laughs> That's my homework. <laughs> oh, wow. From the uh, late 90s, Legend of the Mummy with Lou Gossett Jr. I've never even heard of it. And John's like going, I don't know. I found it. And it's, we have to cover it. I'm like, okay. Wow. I know. So let's, let's move on. Quickly. Let's do I know it. We, I know we're both got a lot of shit going on this oh, week. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Um, so you watched uh, Hello Tomorrow. Yes. Yeah. Uh, three episodes in. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a really good show. Yeah. yeah. This is one that, I mean, I don't know what they're leading to. I mean, you can kind of tell. But this would be fine if they do one season. Because it feels like they might be able to do just a solid arc. I'm not sure this is a show that's really going to develop into a, like a fan following that like, they've got to give like us Mad more Man seasons. Or yeah. yeah. But I really like it. It's in this weird. I was kind of right about it being a little bit music manish because it's about con men with yeah. a heart of gold kind of yeah. thing. It's a father son story. It's got that in it, um, and it's all that retro futurism. I just I think they just nail that stuff. And it's got Hank Azaria. So Hank Azaria. Well, the whole it, cast it, is great. Like the cherry on the cake. It's like, can we I get know. Hank in here, please? <laughs> and and he is kind of doing he's he's well it's written that way but he's kind of the Jack Lemmon character from Glengarry Glen Ross. Oh yeah, like, yeah. You got to give me the leads. Why don't I ever get the good leads? It's like there's only so much I can do. Ah, I'm like, yeah, there you go. 
I don't know the the other actor's name, the younger guy uh, who. Uh, oh, I looked gets, him up. Gets in trouble with his wife. Yes, he is so his, good. He's so good. His delivery is it's it's strangely everyone's a little bit stylized, which is good. Uh, but yeah, he's he's got this sort of like sort of pleasant demeanor, and then there's all this weird insecurity in it. You find out that he's really competitive, and uh, and yes, the stuff with the wife was great. Uh, yeah. Just the way all that tech works, by the way, also like that's the black me. and white uh, video phones. And yes, uh, and Alison Pill is in there, like leaving her a um, really long message. And then at the end, it's like unable to. <laughs> <deliver> <laughs> right. She talks for four hours into the thing. It's yeah. it's it's good show. It's yeah. and it's fascinating to me, too, because I just love that kind of set design anyways. It's it's kind of like uh it's like like an updated cyberpunk. You think of of like you know which cyberpunk, which is his own version of retrofuturism, but in a different yeah. Like what if what we thought the future would be in the eighties came true? But, but even more, it's like you know, we, we've got you know the biggest most and the most noticeable thing is all the there's no wheels anywhere. It's like Star Wars. There's no oh wheel. no yeah in in uh, what, what they call in Star Wars repulsor lifts. So everything's floating instead of yeah. rolling. And uh, the, the other thing I think is fascinating is that. Because I, this is where my brain goes with this kind of tech stuff. It's like, oh, okay, so they've got, they've got, you know, they've got voice recognition, they've, they've got repulsor yeah. lift technology, and but but they don't appear, don't appear, appear to have mass storage because they're still handing papers out to people. And like, I know it's so yeah. it's so fast. I just love that. Yeah, weird the choices mishmash. that are being made. One of the things I, I also loved, which was in I think episode three, also or maybe episode two, was um, you know he's dictating into an automatic typewriter. And it's voice recognition. So he's dictating using a little microphone. So he, that's kind of what they had back then. But this is wireless, and he's doing it, and it's typing his words. Um, but I love the fact that it's fancy, and it's able to immediately type what he's talking, but he still has to pull a sheet out, crumple it up, throw it away, and then put in a new sheet because it's still like an old typewriter. Yeah, yeah. But once the sheet's in, he's like, okay, back to and. I'm like, I like those little touches. Like, it's futuristic, but we still have things that are easier to use than that, but they're going to the moon. I mean, it's just all this other stuff. You're like, this is great. Uh, and speaking of spoilers, if you guys haven't watched Hello Tomorrow, if you watch the very first episode, they spoil the biggest thing in it, which is that uh, Billy Crudup's character is not just a salesperson for this company. He is the shadowy guy running it. And so it's all made up. It's all nonsense. And that's why he keeps the the sales force small and moves town to town is that they get out with some money and no mm-hmm. one ever goes to the moon through his company. Other people do, but not him. So he's the boss. And I love the whole thing about the uh, the old movie star guy who was the space ranger type guy who is a spokesman for his company about let's move you to, to the moon. And then he just goes and visits him in, in uh, the same assisted living facility that his mom's, his mom's in. in. Yeah. But he thinks he's on the moon because right. he's clearly, you know, slipping into dementia or senility. And so he takes care of him. He's like, going, you tell those folks down there that it's great up here on the moon. He's like, I sure will. And he's like, and say hello to Mr. Jenkins, the name of the, or whatever, the turtle. So the guy's pet turtle is the name that Billy Crudup 
says is the owner of the company. I just love that. And the moon rocks he hands out to people are just stuff he takes out of the guy's terrarium. Mm-hmm. I mean, that little touch right at the end of the episode was like, oh, you've sold me. And this just, will, just, of course, end in tears. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that they. It seems like they're, they're, they're steering it. At least making you hope that there's going to be a happy, you know. Obviously, it's going well, to get awkward say, when the truth of the comes out. Yeah, none of the but characters. He's such a lovable guy that you think he's got to recover from this somehow. Something, yes. you know. None of them are are cast as true villains, right? Like, there's not really one. It's everyone is pretty well rounded. Billy Crudup, just like uh, Harry, um, Hill, no Henry Hill. Sorry, wait. Hmm? I'm trying to think of the Music Man, but but I'm getting the Goodfellas oh, character mixed up. Um, Harold Hill. Harold Hill. There we go. That's the name of the character. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because Henry Hill in Goodfellas, I always, it's always, I flip him around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Professor Harold Hill in The Music Man is not evil, but he is bilking people out of money and getting away. We find out he has a heart of gold. Billy Crudup's character is not a bad dude, but he is ripping people off. But the love he has for his son that he's never known and his mother and his wife, uh, former wife, who's in a coma, he's he's a solid guy and you can't help but like him. He's sort of addicted to to not telling the truth in a way. It's yes. like he, he wants to have a relationship with his son, but the only way he can figure out how to do it is to con him. Into, yeah, it's to come. You know. and 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 literally it's all about selling a story. It's it's this is the only way I'm going to be true is by selling people dreams. Mm-hmm. So I'm selling my own son the dream that I'm this great boss. He's found the best career. I just happen to give him a company car that's everything everyone. So it's just like going, ouch, when this when the truth comes out, it will no it's, doubt hurt. It's going to be a mess, but I think they're going to recover. Because it just, you, you and see, I'm this is really glad that Allison Pill came into it. Oh, God, she's perfect for this She show. was in the credits, and I was like, where is she yeah, for the first two she's episodes? She's absolutely perfect for that role. Yeah, she um, is. But the thing that makes this the, the the acting in this so good, and this is true for Billy Crudup and uh, the fellow who plays his son. I can't remember his his name, but there are layers to their performance because oh, you yeah. you get Billy his he's doing he's doing his con and he's got his yeah. charming persona, but there's also honesty there because he he's not really only does he love his out. son, he loves his employees, he wants to take care yeah. of them, but he's like you see it every time he, his secretary no, no nobody knows the truth except him it's, even his secretary doesn't know that they're they're all just conning people that what is her name cheryl i think yeah she is referring to you know this and this she'll refer to the moon thing and he's as like far you know, she see, knows this is all legit. he's like he, he gets he gets a little slight you panic well, in episode like, three Shit. is where she's trying to show initiative so she buys ad space uh and puts their ad onto like a screen at a baseball game and suddenly their phones are ringing off the hook and she's like see boss it's like and we don't and, and he's like going oh no yeah that's great and his teeth are just <laughs> gritting he's like going you know sometimes smaller is better yeah yeah and also he's being forced due to this relationship he's starting with his son he's being forced to stay in this town and yeah. he knows we have to move that's always the key is we have to move because if we stay too long, then people start going, where's my ticket? When do I get to go? So it's always move on. It's just like in the music band. It's like I, you go on to another town before the bill comes due. Yeah. And I did think it was interesting, too. This was revealed, I think, in this, the third episode where his mother gets impatient and shows up. Oh, yeah. At yeah. The place where their office is. And it's you realize at that point that she knows the whole deal. She knows 
I think she knows the moon landing thing is a I don't sham. know if she knows that. She, but well, she, she certainly knows, knows that, that he's scamming. pretending that, yeah. yeah. And and she knows that he's pretending not to be right. his son's father. So she's just like, and who is your new employee? Because she's determined to have a relationship with her grandson. She just can't say it's her grandson. So she's like going, you're very handsome. And he's like, uh, thanks. Yeah. Uh, okay, this is weird. I'm going to give you a big hug. Uh, sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's all played all me. so well. It's just like, well, it's an eccentric mom. Person. This is, I, I'm enjoying the heck out of it and I'm not binging it. I, 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 I mean, the episodes are all there, but I'm kind of just like an episode every other day or so. Yeah. Well, there's all, time. No, it's only that's coming out. The three, there were three that came out first and then there's one oh, more. Oh, so okay. it is. It's, it's one a week now. Okay, I, did, I didn't look at the whole thing because I, I was like going, oh, yeah. next episode. No, like it just goes. Well, they say they've got the available ones and they show you the next one coming out. Oh, right I got you. OK. Yeah. Some shows oh. are doing that where they're like, all right, Poker Face did that. And I was like, I'll watch one and I'll go to bed. And I'm like, I'm watching all the ones they have here. Yeah. Because well, they, they, these are short. These are like 35 minute episodes or something like that. So it's not too much of a uh, commitment to to watch to get caught up. Uh, there's a lot of so much i yet. mean we've been living in this golden age so much good tv chad so much good it's, tv i'm really really impressed with this i show. do want to see linoleum which we brought up before and i'm glad you saw it i yes. have avoided spoilers but yeah it's a thing about i think quantum mania was my big ticket like going live to a movie i just can't mm. really afford it these days no, i totally understand so it's like yeah. that was it's, it insane yeah. once it starts streaming i it, definitely would check it out and this this thing, I want to see linoleum again because it's. And I'll tell you, dear listeners, what I told Brendan: do not indulge in spoilers for this film. Um, it it's a strange film. It's a, definitely an art film, mm. and it it'll be. You may find it confusing and bewildering at first, but I promise you, it pays off. <laughs> you just got to hang with it. Um, did you ever see um, Brixby Bear? No. This is a, an independent movie from, maybe I've got the name wrong. Oh, it's Brigsby Bear from 2017. And it's an indie film by um, written by Kyle Mooney, who was on SNL for a long time, actually. Uh, and he wrote it and starred in it. He didn't direct it. But it's very surreal and funny and heartbreakingly touching. But the whole thing is like a guy grows up in a survival, an underground survival uh, place and his father's passed on and his father was his main caretaker. And basically this guy who thinks he's the last man on earth is down there and he rewatches these VHS tapes of a kid show called Brigsby Bear that he knows them by heart because it's all he really has. But it's also like that's his world, his reality. And then at some point due to incidents beyond his control, he finds out that he's not the only man on earth and that there was no great apocalypse or disaster that his father had kind of lost his mind and had built this bunker, you know, that had food and all this other stuff uh, to protect his son. So he enters the world, which is our world, but he's, he's trying to, conceive of it and and he also wow. he because there was a limited amount of brigsby bear episodes which he also finds out that his father uh and mother were the sole creators of brigsby bear that no one else in the world ever saw the show because it was just made and filmed for him oh wow 
But since he's been down there alone for years, he has in his head written the end of Brigsby Bear. And so basically he gets to know people in the real world and then he gets them to help him film the last episode of Brigsby Bear, which he had created. And they're like, you're insane, obviously. And we're sorry you were been in a bunker. He becomes a little bit of a media celebrity, but they're like, but we want to do this for you because he's this wide eyed innocent. So he's a man child kind of person. Um, and it's funny and it's really very definitely surreal and it's very cheaply made, but imaginatively made. And when I watched the trailer for linoleum, I got that vibe. I was mm. like, oh yeah, this is something that's going to be, uh, its own thing, but is definitely an imaginative, you know, worth your time kind of trip into somebody else's head. Yeah. Uh, so I, I look forward to it and you're saying it's really good. It's excellent yeah and it, again it's like it, it halfway through it i'm like going what is going on with this film i don't know and, and by the end of it, i'm like this is amazing the only spoiler and it, i didn't read the review but i saw a headline of a review that says exactly that all it said was it basically said like linoleum sticks the landing or it was like linoleum f- finally makes sense in the third act or whatever yeah. it's like oh it's and I was like, oh, okay. But I'm like, summation. that's why I want to go see it again. Cause it's like, it's one of those movies kind of like the but too bad Jim Gaffigan got stuck with someone like Ray Seahorn. I mean, I mean, I know. Oh, <laughs> I geez. had such high hopes for him. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. He's, they're both incredible. I'm sure. I'm the absolutely cast sure. Is great. Um, it reminds me very, and tonally, besides the, the, you know, the weird, uh, aspects of the story, which I'm not going to spoil for you. Nice try. Uh, brain um <laughs> the uh it, tonally it was very much reminding me of rushmore uh initially oh, sure uh, especially the the teenage characters interacting mm-hmm. reminded mm-hmm. me of that but was that i'm trying to remember who the director of rushmore was. oh that's wes anderson wes anderson yeah it has it, the whole film definitely Houston has a wes anderson feel wes anderson yes yes rushmore I, which was uh, in Houston. another one of my famous celebrity stories i and my friend bob newell in high school did duet acting um like competition wise so we went up against uil um competition we went up against people from other schools me and bob were doing a two-man well the play is two-man but a shortened version of greater tuna which is a classic stage comedy that actually went you know worldwide but it was originally a very texas thing oh yeah and it's two guys doing multiple characters all broad texas stereotypes mm-hmm. very funny and we did well we kept advancing and at one point our main competition were two guys from what's that prep school in houston saint 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 john's saint john's i think yes that's yeah they filmed rushmore there well, that's where Wes Anderson went. And Wes yeah. Anderson was our competition. We're the same age. It was Wes Anderson and his partner. Uh, and they were total prep school guys. Like, I mean, he's reedy, thinny, skinny little dude. But they had their blazers full on with like the emblems on it. I was like, Jesus Christ, these kids. But they were very good. They did, um, they did a spoken word shrunken version of little shop of horrors the musical as a two-man thing 
So they would go through lots of characters. But I remember the way they'd start is they'd both walk through the house towards the stage and they'd be going like, little shop, little shop of horrors, <laughs> little shop, little shop of terrors. They were, they were good and they actually advanced. We did not. We got up to like semifinals or whatever and they went on to state, I think. But Wes Anderson, I mean, I didn't get to shake his hand or know him, but I remember him. And then years later, he does a movie. And of course, Bottle Rocket. And then that's in, set in Houston. And then he did oh. Rushmore and he filmed it in his old school. Yeah. And I'm just sitting there going, oh, that's so weird and wacky. It's close to my heart. I, well, I don't know if it was close to my heart, but I, oh, I, I love Rushmore. I love I it. went, I mean, the, the location of it, I went to Lamar High School for my freshman year, which is right next door to just literally right next door to St. John's. Oh. And Paul, our friend Paul Varner, mm-hmm. uh, he and his parents lived in the Lamar Tower, which was right around the corner from both of those schools. So the, I was very close to all of that. I knew a lot of people who went to St. John's. When I took driver's ed, I had to take a, a Metro bus to St. John's to get a van shuttle. <laughs> to drive me to the school and back. So I had St. John's was, was a part of my life. I didn't go there, but it was, uh, it was part of my neighborhood. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, anytime you watch something that's shot in a place you've lived, it, it's just, you're enjoying the movie, but you're also going, Oh yeah, I know that place. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I, I literally, uh, on the monsters podcast, John and I did, um, uh, my best friend is a vampire. I had no idea that was shot in Houston. Oh, so it was so weird to be watching this movie from like when I lived there because the movie's from 86, possibly 88 or something. But I'm just sitting there going like, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Galleria. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Look at that. I know that place. Not a great movie. Not a great movie. I, I don't I, I don't think I've even heard of this one. Uh, It had. um Oh, what's his name? Who ended up in Dead Poets Society and then uh Ethan uh, No. No, the the real sensitive one who ends up committing suicide. Oh, that fella, yeah. That uh, fella. Yeah. I, forgot I can't his remember name. his name. Uh he's a good young actor, but yes, he becomes a vampire and it's a comedy and uh Renee Abujanoa is in it as an elder vampire who's trying to teach him the right way. Oh, that's cool. Um, (laughs) And uh, young Kathy Bates, like before she became huge, plays his mom. And she's very Texan. And I'm like, yeah, all right. And it's um, weird. Um, They shot it in Houston. Also, Robocop 2 for around that same time. Oh, of course. Premiered at River Oaks Theater. It did. Did you work that night? I did. And (laughs) (laughs) the only interaction I had celebrity wise because it was very busy and there's a red carpet and there's press. Uh, I remember that when the movie ended and the cast and director, they're all trying to get out. I kept looking for Frank Miller, the comics writer and artist because he, oh, yeah, yeah. he wrote the screenplay, but he didn't show up. For the, I was like, Oh man, but I was excited because Peter Weller, I fucking love Peter Weller. He's Buckaroo Banzai and always will be right here in my heart. But anyway, mm-hmm. so he's trying to leave everyone swarming. And he's just, he looks stuck. So I, I just, at the top of my voice was like, please allow Mr. Weller to leave. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, make way for Mr. Weller. And all of he looked over his shoulder and he was like, thanks man. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. That was the whole thing. Cause he looked, I mean, he was shaking hands, but that 
it was a full body press. I was like, dude, let him get out of this place. God damn it. <laughs> because he still had to leave and get his picture taken and all that stuff. But the people in the lobby were just. Rah, rah, rah. He's also, you know, he went to North Texas, Peter Weller. Yeah. yeah. Isn't, isn't he like a professor now? Um, he may be. He I think is he, a brilliant I think dude. He, I think I want to say I think he lives in Italy now. He's like, uh, well, I know I know that he he's a brilliant trumpeter. Like that's what he went to North Texas. Like acting was not what he thought he was going to end up doing. He thought yeah. he was going to be a musician. Um, and I wonder what he teaches. And now I'm looking him up. Go ahead, talk amongst yourselves. Yes. Uh, oh, art yeah. history. Man, is that awesome or what? This guy's a Renaissance yeah. dude. He holds a PhD in Italian Renaissance art. That's just amazing. Yeah, he's he's he's, he's, he's like apart from the if he got a medical degree, he would be Buckaroo Robots. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All he needs I mean, to do is a, learn uh, to do brain surgery, and then he's your dude. Buckaroo Bonsai, By the way, we got to do a whole show about Buckaroo Bonsai and the oh, travesty it's like that we never that, got a sequel. It's like you pulled that out of my brain. I have the the novel that uh, the creator wrote he was like the sequel is never going to happen so he wrote a novel oh good it's a, it's a whole thing yeah it is it's bizarre yeah uh but uh, it is an official t- uh tie-in so i love it yeah it is a travesty mm-hmm. world crime league i know <sighs> anyway um so yes we will do that someday let's wrap her up we yeah i think this went a little bit longer than we intended well, you know, I start talking, a little bit of adrenaline comes in, and now I won't be able to go take a big nap like I really want to do. God damn it. Curse you, Chad. All right, people. Uh, if you have watched, if <laughs> you, had, like you remember. sort of threat. All yeah, right, people, people. Make way for Mr. Weller. <laughs> so thank you again for watching. If you remember the Ghostbusters, the original uh, filmation show, if you've seen Hello Tomorrow, uh, if you've seen Linoleum. Let us know what you think about this stuff. Look, and avoid spoilers because Brendan still hasn't seen it. Yeah. Yeah. But try not to Thank spoil you. it in the comments if you can avoid it. Yeah. This is a movie I think a lot of people, it's like unlike Ant-Man and stuff, a lot of people aren't really going to see this. So they might may not think to see it. So Literally until you told me about it, I didn't know it existed. Yeah, yeah. But I really want to see it. Yeah. All right, folks. We will see you maybe not next week, but in the near future. It's going to happen. <laughs> Hey, you froze. Oh, and now you're back. That was so cool because you froze. And then when you popped back in, it was literally like an optical illusion. Like you're like, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> it was good. Yeah, you're doing anyway, it too now. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm all about. Uh, <laughs>